A, uh, a friend of mine once went on a uh, vacation uh, to Jamaica, and while he was on vacation, they were doing, you know, they were on the beaches, and they were at their resort, and they were doing different things in the area. Um, at one point, now he was a, he's a Catholic speaker, um, so at, at one point, he, he had a little, bit of a, a little bit of stroke, so he went to meet with the, the archbishop of that area. Um, so at one point while he was there, they drove out to the archbishop's residence so that he could meet with him. And when he left the confines of the resort, um, as he was driving away, all of a sudden, all of the perfectly manicured lawns and beautiful trees and all the nice buildings and everything around him, it all of a sudden very, very quickly was destitute. You have shacks, busted up roads, um, rocks and, and little piles of, of, uh, of trash on fire, like, it just wasn't, it wasn't nearly the resort that he was at, right? It wasn't the paradise that he was, that he was there vacationing with his family, um, but as he was driving out to the Archbishop's residence, they saw the, the other side of the tracks, if you will. There's a little bit more of the reality of the people in that area, that there's a lot of poverty, a lot of po- there's a lot of need, hunger, things like that. So when he met with the archbishop, he was sitting there talking to him, and he says, he tells him, he says, man, it, it, it just was striking how much of a contrast that was, that as we were on our way, we went from in the middle of this, this multi-million, billion-dollar setup with a resort and all these people and all this stuff, and like it was beautiful and perfect and paradise... And a handful of blocks away, people are living in shanty shacks with, with metal, with tin that's pulling off and falling apart. And, and the, the, my, my buddy, he, coming from the United States, he, had, he just looked at, the, he, his heart broke for the poor people. And he looked at the archbishop and he said, like, what do y'all do for the poor? And the archbishop kind of waited for a second, looked at him and said, uh, I'm not worried about the poor. It's kind of striking, right? Like, you're, you're, we, with the Catholic religion, like, we do this. We're the most charitable organization in the world. We educate, feed, and, 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 like, give medical care to more people on a daily basis than any other organization around the world. Like, what do you mean you don't believe, don't, don't, you're not concerned about the poor? And the archbishop looked at him and said, I'm not worried about the poor. Because the poor know that they need God. The people that concern me are the ones at the resort. Because they have everything that they need. I'm not concerned about the poor because the poor know that they need God. The people that worry me are the ones that have all that they need. We think about that. I think it's a very, very striking contrast. I, my, my, my family, we, on both sides of my family, farming was a big thing in my, with my grandfathers. Um, one, we, 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 we managed the land, and the other was, a, was a, like in the dirt, in the mud, right, doing the farming. And something that a farmer learns very, very early is that 
no matter how much and how good I do, if it doesn't rain, I don't get a crop. Right, farmers, it's rain is a good thing. But uh, no matter what I do, no matter how perfect the dirt is, no matter how perfect the seed is, no matter how perfect the planting and everything else, all of the process is, if it doesn't rain, it doesn't matter. Because there's a reliance built in to farming, a reliance that's built in on God. That I need the Lord to bless. Today, that's what we're talking about in our, in, our first, in, in our first reading and in our gospel. Is an utter reliance on God. You see, both, in both of these cases, we use, they use the image of a widow. And for a widow in, in Jesus' time, in the Old Testament time, in that first century, first, like turn of, this, turn of the, the, the centuries kind of time, 2,000 years ago, uh, a widow was seen as someone who was helpless. A widow was seen as somebody who couldn't manage on their own. Because the breadwinner of the family was going to be the husband who would go out, work, earn wages, do his thing, come back. And the widow was the homemaker taking care of everything at home. The kids, the house, all those things. So the widow could not go out to work and keep her other responsibilities in place. So a widow was seen as kind of a helpless person. So when, when both in the, in the Old Testament and in the Gospel today, we hear about a widow. So we already are starting from a standpoint of a helpless person. And in the Old Testament, we hear that this prophet Elijah comes to this widow, and as the prophet Elijah comes to the widow, he's sent by God. And the widow is, is, is going to bake a little cake. She has just enough, just enough flour and oil to make a cake. For her and her son. And that's all she's got. She has nothing else. And it's really interesting because the prophet Elijah is talking to her. And he says, could you make me something? Now he is the personification of God. Like he is representing God completely and totally to this woman. Because he's coming from a standpoint of, I'm a messenger of God. I'm supposed to rely on everything. Like, God is going to bless me as I go out in complete poverty without anything. And God is going to bless me with what I need. And he looks at this widow who has little to nothing left. And he says, can you bake me something? Just for a moment, think about that. The, 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 what she's going through. She has no means to get any more. She's about to run out. And she's already conceded that she's about to die of starvation. Because she has nothing left. And what might be her last meal, this man who's representing God is asking for it. What kind of faith would it take to be able to say, you know what, God's going to bless me. I'm going to believe what you're saying that God's going to bless me, that he's going to continue to sustain me, that he's going to continue to give me what I need so that I can survive if I only let go of this last meal. Similar situation in the gospel. 
We hear about this widow who comes in, and she, in, in the collection basket, if you will, right, she drops two coins. People all around her are dropping all this other money, all, like big amounts of money into these different little, in, into the way in which they would, uh, they, the, the treasury, the, the way in which they would collect money in the, in the temple. And she walks in, and Jesus is giving a teaching about not being prideful. Giving, a, giving a, a, a teaching about not putting too much trust in like the surface stuff. And he looks at and he sees this woman come in and she drops two coins, two pennies. It's the smallest two pieces, it's the smallest currency that they had in, in, in the Jewish time, in the temple time. And she drops two pennies into the collection. And Jesus stops what he's doing and points out she has given from her poverty. She has given more today than anything else. In fact, it goes so far as to say this is all that this woman had. She has no means to get any more. And the little bit that she had, she gave to God. In both of these cases, these widows are perfect examples for us of what it looks like to trust God above all else. To trust the Lord that He's going to sustain us, that He's going to provide above everything else. And Jesus criticizes explicitly the scribes. Beware of the scribes who like to go around in long robes. Beware of, the, beware of the Christian who has to have the best, most trendy clothes. And accept greetings in marketplaces. The greetings that he's talking about, it's titles. How are you doing, Mr. John? I'm sorry. Father. No, 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 no. Putting too much pride in a title before anything else. Seats of honor in synagogues need to be front and center. Don't worry, Chick, I'm not making fun of you. But I need to, not only do I need to be front and center, I need to be there because people need to see that I'm there. I need to be seen in the synagogue. Not that I'm going to pray. But that I am seen, that I, I make sure that everybody knows that I'm at church. In places of honor at banquets, got the right kind of friends, I'm influential and powerful. They devour the houses of widows as a pretext and recite lengthy prayers. Jesus is criticizing the scribes who go out and they try and manipulate those who have, lost, who have had loss to try and get their money. This is who Jesus is criticizing and he's contrasting. Today we hear the contrast between someone who is externally focused, how I look, how I act, the things I have, as opposed to the widows, the two widows in today's readings, who are internally focused on their need for God. The challenge for us, like that Archbishop said, is that those who, when we have, 
So often, if we have enough, we can, we can fool ourselves into thinking that I can provide for myself. We can trick our minds into thinking that, you know what, I have enough, I'm capable, I can do things for myself, God, I'm going to come to you when I need something. But that's not how the Lord works. That's not how he wants to operate in our life. God wants us completely and totally invested in him. Right now, we're, our, our, I think for the last two months, we've been kind of in a certain phase of recovery and, and response to the hurricane immediately following the storm. And now we're in this waiting period, most of us. Most of us are in a place where we're waiting on an adjuster, waiting on a contractor, we're on a list for some kind of help, all those kind of things. But right now, internally, there's an opportunity for all of us, especially as we approach Advent, especially as we approach the end of this liturgical year and coming into Christmas. To kind of take a restock of where you're at. Like, what, what relationship with God do you want? Do you want one that's, okay, the Lord, you stay over there, and when I need something, I'm going to come ask. I don't think that's, that we see that as, as, as the best. It's better than nothing, but it's not the best. How about a relationship with God that I'm completely invested in him? And I believe and trust that he is completely invested in me as well. See, this is what the Lord wants to teach us. That just because we have, just because we have everything that we need, that we can, like, that, to not fool ourselves into thinking that we don't need him as well. If you want a, an easy way to examine this, look at two places in your life. Your calendar and your bank account. The two places that we invest time, the places that we invest our time show where our heart is. The places that we invest our money shows where our focus is. What space does God have in those two places? You see, this is the old, the old Jewish tradition of tithing comes from, I give the first 10% of my crop to God. Like off the top, I don't know if I'm going to have the other 90%, but I know I give the first fruits of my harvest, I bring the, the best fruits, the first fruits of my harvest, I bring them to the temple to be offered to God. That God gets first and everything else we live on. When it comes to our calendar and our bank account, does God get the leftover? Or does he get the first fruits? That's not a judgment, but I think it's for us it's an examination. It's a way in which we can live our life looking and recognizing that we can depend completely on God. 
that I give to God first and allow him to bless me later. You know, from the, the, the final thing I'll say, the last, uh, in, in wake of the storm, we, uh, we did a, uh, as, as many people know, we had a little food pantry running in the, in the school. Um, over the course of the first week after the storm, we had uh, the equivalent, uh, my, my garage was full of supplies, whether it be peanut butter and jelly to, to hardware stuff like, like extension cords and somebody donated some generators for people to use and just all kind of different things came this way. Something like 300 gallons of gas was sitting in my garage, so you better not have light a mat, lit a match, otherwise the whole house was going to go up, right? Like, but we just had a lot of donations, a lot of things, so we set up a food pantry um, and many of, our, many of you and many of our parishioners made, were very, very generous with their time, come and donate and help and do all these things. Um, we had a ton of stuff. And I remember before we kind of kicked it off and, and made it available to, every, to the public, we had people that would pull up just in need. And they would say, like, do you have food? Do you have something like that? And I was like, absolutely, come on. And I would bring them to the back. I'd bring them to the school. We would go through, get what they need, and send them on their way. But it was one day that this lady came in, um, and she was being evicted from her apartment because the apartment had been compromised and rain and the roof was messed up and everything else. So she was coming in, and she was just looking for like some canned goods. So she came in, and she was talking to some people that were there. They were helping her out. She loaded up her trunk, and she left. About 30 minutes later, she came back, loaded up her trunk, and she left. And I was standing there talking to some, I was standing there talking to some of the people that were volunteering, and I was like, they, they told me, they said, this lady has been here twice already, y'all might want to put like some kind of a limit, you know, she might be taking advantage of the situation. And as we were talking, she pulled up a third time. So I walked up and I said, I was like, how can I help you? I was going to just say we were closed for the day, kind of send her on her way, thank you, you know, come back tomorrow, that's, that's, better than getting three carloads of stuff, you know, so how can I help you? And she walks around, she pops the trunk of her car. When I looked in, it was loaded down already. Pasta, spaghetti sauce. As I was going through it, as I was looking at it, she said, these are all things I need a stove for. And I'm probably going to be living in my car. So I wanted to give back because y'all have given me so much. The poor know they need God. May we pray for those who have all they need. May we rely on the Lord with everything that we have and give back to him. It's a small fraction of what he's given to us. Amen.